This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles, turn to the book of James, if you would, tonight. Uh, James chapter 4 is where we find ourselves this evening. James chapter 4, going verse by verse through the book of James. If you missed anything so far, you can always get caught up on the Huikala app. Also, the Huikala app will have access to the notes for tonight's message. If you want to click on James, click on tonight's message, uh, which is entitled, What is God's Will? Uh, then we can, uh, you can take notes that way or just grab a sheet of paper, jot some thoughts down as we cruise through this passage of Scripture. This passage that we get to in James is, is, is a common passage. It's a familiar passage, and most people uh, use it to talk about how short life is, and that's definitely part of it. But the thing that often gets overlooked when people look at this passage is that it's really talking about what is God's will, and you and I trying to muscle our way and override God's will to do what we want. That's really kind of the, the, the meat of the passage, and so we'll be taking a look at that tonight. Uh, James chapter 4. Uh, we're going to take a look at, um, let's just start in verse number 13, and we'll go through verse number 17 here tonight. We might even finish out a chapter. How about that? No, we won't. We won't finish it tonight. Um, I just remember next week's message, you're not going to get out of it yet. Uh, so next week's message will be the end of chapter 4. Uh, James chapter 4, verse number 13. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, and we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It's interesting in verse number 15 it talks about we shouldn't say what we're going to do, but we should say if the Lord will. And basically the idea here is that you and I don't get to make our own plans. God has a plan already set, which will come to fruition, and you and I should follow God's plan instead. Now some uh, well-meaning Christians, I love it when people say this because it kind of gets on my nerves, but it's funny. I'll say, hey, uh, are you going to make it to church tonight at five o'clock? And they say, if the Lord wills, I'll be there. Well, he's willing that you'd be in church tonight, so I'll see you there, right? Uh, what they're saying is like, I don't want to get ahead of what God may or may not do, but if, if God wills, I'll be there. Um, and there, there was a saying when I, where I grew up in Kentucky. It's like, well, will you be at church tonight? If the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise, I'll be there. And so that's just kind of a country redneck thing to say uh, when there were really no creeks around that would rise, that would keep one from being from one place to another. But anyway, if the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise, I'll be there. Uh, but the idea behind that, I love it. Hey, if, if, Lord, if the Lord's willing, I'll be there. Uh, basically, the idea that at the end of the day, you and I really aren't in charge of anything when it comes to our life. God is in charge of everything. But then we got to ask ourselves, what exactly is God's will? What does that even mean? It's always interesting to me, Christian dating relationships. Uh, why didn't things work out between you guys? It just wasn't God's will. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't, I don't understand what that means. Uh, well, she doesn't use deodorant. Okay, definitely not God's will, uh, <laughs> for sure. Not God's will. But again, we use not God's will to kind of explain everything. You know, uh, I went to get a gallon of milk, and the store was out, so it wasn't God's will that I get milk. 
No, somebody probably just didn't get their shipment in today. That's, that's determine God's will, not God's will. So what does it really mean when we talk about God's will? God's plan and purpose and for his creation and every individual. That's what really boils down to God's plan, if you want to use it a different way. When a person, uh, before a person dies, they put together their last will and testament. What that means is these are my last desires. This is my final plan that I have before I die. Here's how I want things handled. God, when we say God's will, we're talking about God's plan and how he wants things handled on his behalf. And so uh, one author said that God's will is God's plan and purpose for his creation for every individual that God does whatever he pleases and desires that all people do his will. Uh, Psalm 135 tells us, uh, verse number six, whatsoever the Lord pleased, that he did in heaven and in earth and the seas and all the depths of the places. So uh, again, when we're talking about God's will, it's God's plan. Now, God's will is already kind of set in stone. And this is where people get hung up. So if you're getting hung up for just a second, hang tight, Okay. God already knows what took place in eternity past. God already knows what's going to happen in eternity future. God knows what's going to happen 10 minutes from now, and you and I have no clue about it. And there's a plan that's already in place that you and I couldn't change if we wanted to because God's plans will stand. Now, inside God's sovereignty, there's a few moving parts that you and I can move around. There's a little bit of latitude of where we can make decisions for ourselves, now, now, we, now we get into really deep water that we're not getting into tonight when we talk about things like free will or sovereignty. Some people would view that God's sovereignty makes you and I robots. We can't choose anything other than what God has already chosen. Uh, God has chosen every single step that I'm going to make, and all I have to do is just continue to follow the steps that God has. The flip side of that is the, the other extreme of that, of God's sovereignty makes us robots. The opposite extreme would be like an open theist who says, God's not in control of anything. We're in control of everything. And when you and I make decisions, God steps back and scratches his head and goes, wow, didn't see that one coming. And it kind of takes God by surprise. So then God has to make his next chess move because he's anticipating what you may or may not do there. Both of those go to too far of extremes. Does God have a plan set for each and every one of us? Yes. Is it possibility that you can sin against the will of God? Absolutely yes. So there's enough latitude and movement inside God's will that you and I can either fulfill God's will or sin against God's will. Now, some people are looking at me going, there's no way that if God has a plan uh, and God has a will that you and I can sin against it. Okay, how about this? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's will that every single person would repent of their sin and be saved and that no one would ever die and go to hell. That's God's will. Is that going to happen? No, it doesn't. Because some people reject. Some people have never heard the gospel. Some people have heard and disobeyed the gospel. So again, God gives enough latitude in there for you and I to choose to either obey or disobey the will of God. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, all of God's plans will come to fruition because God is sovereign. Nobody can change that. At the end of the day, when it's all over and done and God wipes out this earth, wipes out the heaven and he creates a new heaven and a new earth, it's exactly precisely as he had planned down to the T. 
because God's sovereign. So when we look at what is God's will, what do we really mean by that? Well, here's the thing. Part of God's will is known to us. Take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse number 14. It says, but the word is nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. So God has told us some of the things that he wants for his will. God wants you and I to glorify him. God wants you and I to to love him. Uh, God wants you and I to repent of our sin. All these things are part of God's will. Those are things that are known to us. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 12, verse number 50. Whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and my mother. Jesus had an instance where uh, Mary had come to visit and people said, hey, Jesus, your mom's outside. And he was like, who are you? Who are my, who's my mother? Who's my brother? The people who do the will of the Father, that's my brother. That's my mother. That's my sister. So if, if God's will were this strange, locked, black box that we don't really know what's inside of it, how could we do the will of the Father? God wants you and I to do his will, his plan. God wants you and I to fulfill our part in God's master plan for mankind. And we can only do that if God's will is known to us. Again, some people get really weirded out when we begin throwing around words like God's will because they're like, oh, I don't know if I should go to uh, you know, this, church, this college or that, that college, and I don't know what God's will is. I, I'm going to step out on the limb, and I'm going to say, I'm, I'm taking off my pastor hat, and I'm putting on my uh, critical thinking hat, okay? What I'm getting ready to give you is, is probably not I haven't researched a whole lot, so it may or may not be backed up by Scripture. I don't know really that God cares that you go to to the University of Oklahoma or Texas A&M. I don't know that to be true, okay? But I don't think he really cares. I think God just wants you to be glorified wherever you're at. Like if you got a GED, I think God just wants to be glorified through that. I don't think it matters what college you go to. No, I'm going to put back on my pastor hat and just give you some personal advice that, that, that I think. But so many times we overcomplicate God's will. We think like it's, it's this weird, mysterious thing that I'm like I'm, I'm on a treasure quest trying to find out what God's will. Hey, if, if Jesus says those are his brothers and sisters that do the will of God, then the will of God must be pretty clear. It must be pretty obvious to us. And so there's parts of the will of God that are known to us. But then there's parts of God's will that are known only to him. So we don't get to see the entire map, I guess you will, if you could say it that way. I've heard God's will described as a GPS, that you get a little bit of information at a certain time. Turn left here, turn right there, keep going straight, keep going straight, keep going straight, turn left here. You don't get the opportunity to look at the map and find out where it ends. I think most of us, if we knew what God's will was, God's specific plan for our life, I think most of us, it would terrify us. If you'd found me two decades ago and says, one of these days you're going to be pastoring a church in Hawaii, I would have said, no, you got the wrong dude, like wrong guy. Like 20 years, I was, I was barely attending church faithfully. And 20 years ago, the last place on planet Earth that you would ever catch me dead would be the city of Honolulu. So again, but... God didn't give me his will 20 years in advance because if he had, I probably would have disobeyed. And so there's parts of God's will that he keeps to himself. Uh, Again, the book of Psalms 115, verse number three, but our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. 
Romans chapter 11, verse number 33. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Who, who hath been his counselor? Paul says to the church at Rome, hey guys, who could really figure out what's going on in the brain of God? Who could really know exactly what God's thinking at any given time? That, that's why, again, when you and I try to figure out the mind of God, it's an exercise in futility and it's an exercise in foolishness. For example, I was a nine-year-old boy going to church three times a week just like I was supposed to. My grandmother got cancer, lung cancer. She was a lifelong smoker and at that time back in the 80s, smoking was supposedly healthy for you. I didn't know, right? She got lung cancer. I remember as a nine-year-old boy praying my guts out like I've never prayed in my entire life that God would heal my, my granny from cancer. And she went in for a scan and come to find out she had tumors all over her brain. They said, there's nothing we can do for her. And I used to spend Friday nights at my granny's house and to see her deteriorate so quickly. She was in her, her 40s when she got cancer. And I prayed my guts out as a nine-year-old kid. And the day that my parents got the call, I was at school, and they came and picked me up from school and told me my granny had passed away. I just, I didn't believe it. I thought that I could pray and God would hear me. I couldn't process that. And so as a nine-year-old boy, I'm thinking to myself, well, did I do something wrong? Did God not hear my prayers? And as a nine-year-old, I'm trying to figure out exactly why it didn't work the way that I thought that it should. And you think... Man, you're nine, you're trying to figure out the mind of God. Like, how silly is that? No, no, no. I've been 39 and trying to figure out the mind of God. Why didn't God do things the way that I thought that he would? You know, I'm a grown man still sometimes trying to figure out how God thinks. And it's every single time it comes back to, I can't understand the mind of God. I can't. Somebody said, trying to understand the mind of God is like trying to explain pre-algebra to your puppy. Like, yeah, your puppy can sit, it can stay, it might be able to roll over, but it can't do advanced math, okay? It's, you and I are like a puppy trying to do advanced math when we try to figure out the mind of God. It's just not possible. And so there's parts of the will of God that you and I will never know, and if we knew that part of God's will, we wouldn't even be able to comprehend exactly. Now, when you got 30 minutes or so, let me tell you about my, my granny, Patsy Darnell, and why why she did what she did. And I'm just telling you this. Hui Kala wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for my granny. And so why did that happen? I don't know. I got some better ideas now, uh, maybe uh, 30, 40 years down the road than I did back then. But I still can't comprehend the mind of God. So when we talk about, the, about God's will, we have to understand that there's moving parts in God's will that you and I have no control over and have no comprehension of. And so there comes a point in fulfilling the will of God that we just got to do it by faith. It doesn't make sense. I don't know how it's going to happen. We just have to trust God. Uh, we, our, our family had, had felt God calling us to start Huikala back in probably 2011 time frame. I began to talk with my pastor about it. First person I talked to was my pastor. And he's like, how are you going to do it? I had no idea. It literally defies logic. To plant a church in the midst of a city that's one of the most expensive cities to live in the entire United States, out of nothing, I don't know how it's going to happen. But I trust God. 
I believe it's God's will for us that we do this. And there's a lot of moving parts in this that I don't understand that I can't comprehend. And to this day, there's things that have happened at Huey College that I cannot explain other than the fact that God did something special. I don't know how he did it or what he did. I just know that he did it. And again, I think that's where it goes back to. You look at the book of James, these people are saying like, oh, one of these days I'm going to go in such and so city and I'm going to buy and I'm going to sell and I'm going to get gain and I'm going to do these things. And, and James says, hold up. You don't even know that you're going to be here tomorrow. Dial it back a notch. You need to figure out first what the Lord's will is before you start making your own plans. But here's the important thing when it comes to, to God's will. God doesn't want his will to be a mystery to us. God's will is not this really weird, mystical thing. I'm not going to get a tent in Sedona, Arizona, and go out into the desert and wait for God's will. It's not mystical like that. It's not weird like that. I don't have to go take a, a vow of silence with some monks in the mountains of Tibet to find God's will. It's not weird, mystical, mysterious. It's not out there. God really wants you to know precisely what he expects from you. And sometimes, and this might help somebody here tonight, sometimes when you say, okay, well, God wants me to know it's a little bit cloudy right now, then just keep doing the last thing that God told you to do. Just keep being faithful right where you're at. And things will become more clear over time. Again, if we believe that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord like the Bible says, then God has every step planned out. Just keep walking until he tells you to change your path. As long as you're walking in righteousness, walking in the, in the light, doing the things he's already commanded you to do. Just keep plugging away and things will become more clear over time. But this idea that God's will is this thing that we, you and I have to chase, or that maybe somebody can help me to unlock this mystery. Sometimes people have, have made appointments to me and sat down, and uh, I feel bad because I think they were disappointed. Like, I just want to find out what God's will is. Okay. What do you got? I, I want you to tell me. <laughs> uh, okay. I'll help you with this. You ready? Some of you might be ready to write this down. Okay, you ready? Love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your, your soul. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. On this, hang all of the law and the prophets. There you go. I mean, no, I wanted you to tell me like what I'm supposed to do in my life. I can't do that. There's nobody on planet earth that can do that for you. But I do know this is you love God and you love others and you put him first in every area. At some point, you're going to realize where God wants you to be. And again, for those that are, are meandering and trying to find God's mysterious will, I'm going to give you this little nugget. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. You should write those down. You should highlight those in your Bible. You should commit those to memory. It's really simple. God gives you three steps that you must follow, and then he gives you a promise. So get that, three steps and a promise. You ready for them? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Those are the three steps there. And the promise is what? Somebody help me. He'll direct your path. That's a promise. Okay, well, other than that, how do I find out where I'm supposed to go? There's no shortcut. There really isn't. 
Are you trusting in the Lord with all your heart? Like 100% faith. Like I'm walking by faith every single day, every single step, trusting God by faith. If the answer to that is no, then that's step one. You've got to do that first. Lean not into your own understanding when trying to figure out what the will of God is for whatever that is. Whether it be a, a dating relationship, a new job opportunity, a move to somewhere else, an opportunity that God's given you for ministry or service, lean not into your own understanding. Don't get out a sheet of paper and, and write pros on one side and cons on the other. That's leaning to your own understanding. And let me tell you, when it comes to major life decisions, you cannot trust yourself. Can't do it. Major life decisions. I'm talking about if I make the wrong call here, I'm going to wreck my life. Trying to start a church when God hadn't called you to start a church is a, a surefire way to wreck your life. Moving your family to a city where you know no one without a really solid plan when God hasn't called you to do that is a really quick way to wreck your life. Taking some job because they've offered to double your pay or the cost of living is 25% lower in this city than that. You can't trust yourself. That's a surefire way to wreck your life. So what do I do? You don't lean to your own understanding, that's for sure. You need godly men, godly women in your life that will speak truth in you, that you can run past. Hey, I'm thinking about this. What are your thoughts on that? Hey, I was thinking this, but I could be totally off base. What do you think about this? When I was trying to discern God's will for our family and planning Huikala, I had five men that had been walking with Jesus for at least three decades each. These are guys that are walking the walk. They knew the Bible. They loved Jesus. They loved me. I sat down with those five guys and I said to them, hey, here's what I'm thinking. Tell me if I'm off base. Out of all five of those, one guy said to me, you're wrong. 100% wrong. You can't do this. You're not cut out for church planning. Church planning is hard work. You're a hard worker, but this is not your wheelhouse. This is not your gift set. If you go there and plan a church, it will not make it. You're, you can't do it. And it's just like, wow, okay. Can you tell me things I, sh I should work on or things I could do better? I mean, like, again, I want wisdom. I don't trust myself. No, there's nothing you can do. This is just not for you. Okay. And so I, I talked over my other four counselors who were giving, man, double thumbs up on everything. And then finally I went to my pastor and said, Pastor, here's what this guy said. What do you think? He goes, I love him, but I think he's wrong. And he goes, I, I don't, he said, frankly, Anthony, I don't trust you, but I trust God. Yeah, me too. And so we did it. We came here. And we trusted God every step along the way. About three years later, I got a call from the guy. And he says, Anthony, I just want to tell you, I was 100% wrong, 100% wrong. And uh, he goes, I see it now. I didn't see it then. He said, but other people saw what I couldn't see in you. And he goes, you, you're doing it. And he goes, I'm sorry that I was wrong. No, I said, no, no, I'm thankful for you because you helped me to not lean to my own understanding. If, if you say I don't have what it takes, I need to know what about me is what it doesn't take. I need, I need to know that. And so I said, I don't hold that against you at all. I thank God for that. And again, if you surround yourself with a bunch of yes men or yes women that like whatever you decide to do, it's just like whatever you want. I'm thinking about leaving my family. Great. Good. Two thumbs up. Go for it. You know, you don't need those type of people in your life. You need people to ask you hard questions because you can't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him 
Everything in my life revolves around Jesus. Everything. I acknowledge God in my time, my talent, my treasure. I trust God and put God first in every area. My life is built around Jesus. And you do those three steps, here's what it says. He'll direct your path. It's really clear, really easy. Now, following by faith the path, maybe not so easy. Following the will of God, not always easy, but at least the path is clear. And so, again, the idea that, that God's will is this black box that you and I can't get into or just have to guess at or kind of shoot in the dark and hope that it works out, that's not the will of God. God's will for every creature is to glorify him. We'll just start there. God's will for your life is that you would glorify him. Just start there. We'll glorify him how? In everything. Here's what Paul said. Whether you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do it to the glory of God. So I'll break that down for you. Here's the, the Anthony King translation of it. Whether you're drinking a glass of tea or you're eating a sandwich, do it to the glory of God. And I think that shows like how minuscule things can be used for the glory of God. Our family went to lunch today uh, at Chili's, and I had way too much chips and salsa. And uh, the, the salsa, something wasn't right with it. It was a little too hot for me today. But uh, I knew that at the end of the conversation, or the end of the meal, I was going to have a conversation with our waitress and invite her to church. And so the whole meal... She's super frazzled. They're understaffed. Sat way too many tables. She's running back and forth. I ask her for things. It takes 10 minutes to get it. I'm just like, hey, I'm just going to be patient. She finally brings what I asked her for. I say, hey, I see you guys are super busy today, but I want you to know you're doing a bang-up job. Keep up the good work. And she's like, oh, thank you. Hey, no problem. Thanks for all you're doing for us. You know why? Because I'm trying to do what I'm doing for the glory of God. I'm trying to have a meal with my family for the glory of God. And at the end of it, I set an invitation to our church on the edge of the table, and she's clearing off everything's on the table. And she grabs it, and she looks at it, and she's like, huh. And she flips it over the back, and I said, it's an invitation to our church. And she was like, oh, that's cool. And she looks at the picture, and then she looks at me. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, the picture on the back of the invitation, I have a very long beard. Uh, and she looks at the picture, and she looks at me, and I go, it's my summer look. And she was like, oh, okay, okay. I said, I'm the pastor of the church. She was like, oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. Um, and so I said, come check us out. I said, I see you're working on Sundays, but if you ever get a chance to check us out, come. And on the back, most important thing you'll ever read, because you have no sure when you die, you're on your way to heaven. She was like, thanks. And I left uh, above 20% tip for her. Why? Because I'm trying to have a meal with my family to the glory of God. Does that make sense? We try to have spiritual conversations at the table because we want to have a meal to the glory of God. When you go to work tomorrow, you should go to work for the glory of God. When you put your kids to bed tonight, you should put your kids to bed tonight for the glory of God. When you cut your grass this week, you should cut your grass for the glory of God. Every area. Revelation chapter 4.11 tells us this. In heaven, they're speaking to Christ. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Speaking of Jesus Christ, you created everything, and everything was created to please you. And let me just tell you this. 
If you have a possession that no longer meets its intended purpose, it's not really good for anything anymore. You got a blender that doesn't fire up, what do you do with it? You don't take it to the blender repair shop and have it repaired. You throw it away and you go to Target and you buy yourself a $20 Oster blender. That's what you do. If you and I aren't living for the glory of God and that's the reason why we were created to please Jesus, what good are we? I mean, really, like, what else do you want? Oh, I want God to reveal his plan for my life. Glorify him. No, something else. No, no, you got to start with that. Because here's, let me just help you with this too. If you're not glorifying God this week in whatever the mundane things you're doing, like eating a sandwich or drinking a, a glass of tea, if you're not glorifying God in those things, you're not going to glorify God in some new job or new job opportunity or new place that you go to or a new church that you find. You're not going to do it there. And again, there's a principle in the Bible. You're faithful with a few things. God makes you ruler over many. So glorify God wherever you're at. That's God's will for every creature. A desire for God's will needs to be the driving force in our life. I just want to do what God wants me to do. Hey, what about this job opportunity? Hey, if it's God's will, I'm in. If it's not, I don't want it. One of the men in our church uh, had a, a job opportunity that came up a few weeks ago. Incredible job, incredible job opportunity. He's one of the finalists for this particular position. And I asked him about it. I said, hey, what do you think about it? He's like, hey, man, if God wants me there, I want to be there. If God doesn't want me there, I don't want to be there. And he said, so honestly, whatever decision they give me will just be a really big relief. Because then at least I'll know. Like, frankly, I don't care about the outcome one way or the other. Because he says, I just want to glorify God whether I get it or not. And guess what? He didn't get the job. And when he called me, he says, hey, I don't you know I didn't get the job, but man, I got so much peace. My wife and I prayed, and I really feel like God was glorified through this. And I don't know if I made a difference in anybody else's life, but I know what this opportunity, the difference it made in my life of desiring the glory of God more than what I want. And I was just like, that's where it's at. A hunger, a desire for the glory of God, God's will, God's plan, more than my plan. Look, my plans are, are flawed. My plans are fallible. There's, there's moving parts. There's uh, things in my plans that I haven't even thought of. There's variables that I haven't taken into account in my plans. I just want God's will. Well, yeah, I want to know what God's will is. Glorify him. Again, at the end of the day, I don't think God cares what college you go to, what field of study that you go into. I don't think God cares a whole lot in what your job title is or what position you get. I think God just wants to be glorified. For my kids, I've told them, I don't care if you go to college. I don't care if you make straight A's in school. I don't care if you get a high-paying job or a job that society looks down upon. I just want you to love Jesus and do your best in everything that you do. And if your best is straight C's, I am so proud of you because you're doing your best for the glory of God. And look, if the best job in the world that you could get is picking up garbage, I want you to pick up garbage to the glory of God. And I'm going to be so proud of you. 
But you know what's interesting is so many times I'm on the counseling side of the table from somebody whose parents had expectations for them that they didn't quite meet. My parents wanted me to do this, but I feel like I take a step down. I had one person I talked to who said, my, uh, my parents sent me to college because they wanted me to be successful, but I really thought God just wants me to, to be married and, be, and have children and be a, a mom that raises your kids to love Jesus. Is that wrong? <laughs> Nothing wrong from the Bible that I see. And she said, I know if I told my parents that, it would devastate them. That all I want to do is love my husband and raise kids that love Jesus. They would be devastated. And so I asked the question, whose approval are you living for? Your parents or God's? Now, I know that's hard. I know it's hard again when you've been told your whole life, you've got to make these grades to get into the school. And when you get into the school, you're going to get this degree. When you get this degree, you're going to get this job and you're going to be able to be successful. I know that it's hard when that's what you've been programmed your whole life. But again, everything comes down to, do you want to please yourself, please the world, or do you want to please God? And God's will is 100% about pleasing him. Jesus in the Lord's prayer Again, the Lord's Prayer was never meant to be a prayer that you and I repeat. Uh, the Lord's Prayer was never given to us to, uh, to say again and again and again. Uh, I remember when I was in, in boot camp in the Navy, I had uh, our, our uh, recruit division commander, our RDC, foul mouth. He was a, he was a bosun's mate. I think it goes for all the bosun's mates. Uh, but uh, just rude, crude, Big, barrel-chested, loud, obnoxious. He was from New York, and he cussed like a sailor. And I remember just enduring that the first 24 hours was just terrible. And then the words that I longed to hear all day long, fellas, get in your racks. It's like, yes, we get to sleep. I can't wait. And he says, all right, gentlemen, let's pray. I thought, what? We're going to pray now? Like, are you kidding me? Like, what? I hope there's a lot of prayer of confession and repentance in this prayer that this guy getting ready to say because heavens, he's got a lot of ground to cover, that's for sure. And here's what he said. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And, and like a chorus, everybody chimed in. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those, uh, our debtors. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, wait, wait. I've been in church for 18 years and I've never memorized the Lord's Prayer. And I felt like, I think I'm a terrible Christian. Like, all these guys are Christians and I didn't know. All of them know the Lord's Prayer and I don't. And I just felt like a, a dunce. And so like the next day, again, they let you have a Bible, like the only thing you're able to have in, in boot camp. I'm like looking up the Lord's Prayer to memorize it because I feel like an idiot. But then I realized like halfway through boot camp, these guys don't know the first thing about God, Jesus, or anything else. They just memorize a prayer that they hope at the end of the day will make everything that they've done okay. And then you begin to study and in the very same passage where Jesus teaches them to pray, he says, don't use vain repetitions as the heathens do. But when you pray, pray like this. 
And so Jesus gives us a framework by which to pray. He never intended us to memorize that and pray it together as a group or pray it collectively or pray it every day. He even says, don't repeat this ad nauseum. But here's one of the things he says. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So you and I should be praying every single day, not by repetition, but by principle. We should be praying that God's will would be done in my life. Father, help me to fulfill your plan today. God, would you guide me into your perfect plan and will for my life? God, would you ensure that I stay dead center, precisely where you want me to be, not just today, but tomorrow as well? We should be praying for the will of God. And so you might be saying, like, oh, that's great. So first got to find out what the will of God is, and then I can fulfill it. No, no, no. God's will, generally speaking, has already been very, very easily quantified throughout Scripture. You need to glorify God. You need to love God. You need to love others. You need to walk in the Spirit. Like all, all these things are God's will. And so when people say, like, oh, I'm just trying to find God's will. Well, are you doing God's revealed will? Are you doing God's general will that he wants for everybody? Are you living for the glory of God? Well, no, not really. Start there. Do you love God with every fiber of your being? Well, no, not really. Okay, start there. Are you loving other people the way that you love yourself? Well, no, not really. Okay, start there. And again, you're trying to figure out, oh, should I take that job in Oklahoma or should I take that job in Wisconsin? Are you glorifying God? No, not really. Start there. Because I'll tell you this, if you're not glorifying God in Honolulu, you're not going to glorify God in Wisconsin either. A change of address doesn't fix all of your problems. A change of address doesn't make you more spiritual. A change of address doesn't always make you more useful to Christ. Start there. Walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of your, the flesh. That's God's will for you. Obey God. In what area? Every area. Cultivate Christ-likeness in your life. Be like Jesus. In what way? In every way. Grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Learn how to give people grace. Learn to show the love of Jesus to other people. Learn to show the grace of God to other people. Be a vessel of mercy to people. Grow in your knowledge of the scriptures. All these things are God's will for you. But you know what the guy in James says? I don't know, maybe today or tomorrow we're going to go to such and so city and we're going to buy and we're going to sell and we're going to get gain and we're going to do our own thing. And James says, hey, time out on that. You're not in control of anything that you do in your life. And you need to get back to if God wills. If it's God's plan, then I might do this or that. But you're not in control of any of those things. And it's always interesting to me. People want to know God's specific will. You know, am I supposed to take this job or that job? But they don't want to do God's revealed, clear, general will to everyone. They don't want to glorify God. They don't want to obey God. They don't want to walk in the Spirit. They don't want to live like Jesus. They don't want to, to, to grow and give grace. No, no, no. I just want God to, to point out which, which thing I'm supposed to do. So, again, we talk sometimes of God's general will for every Christian. 
That's God's will for you. I don't, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're five years old or you're 95 years old. Every single thing on that list right there is God's will for your life. Guaranteed. Now, does that mean that God can't have a specific plan for each and every one of us? No, he precisely does. But again, we can't focus simply on God's specific personal plan and will for your life and at the same time ignore his general will for all of us. And so how we carry out God's will in our own personal lives will vary from person to person. So look, God's will for your life is different than God's will for my life. God's will for my life is that I would glorify him first and foremost as his child. If you're a Christian, that applies to you. God's will for me is that I would glorify him as a husband to my wife and that I would love her the same way that Jesus loves his church and gave himself for it. That's God's will for my life, guaranteed. God's given me children. It's my responsibility to disciple my children and make from my own home committed followers of Jesus Christ that would go out and make a difference in the world in which they live. That's God's will for my life. And so again, everything that I do has to fit in with God's will. Oh, you should totally move out to, to L.A. and get a job as a motivational speaker. I think that'd be good for you. That's not God's will for my life. Well, how do you know? Do you know how much it pays? No, no, no. That doesn't fit into the function of where God's placed me and his will for my life. Does that make sense? I can't just willy-nilly go take a job somewhere because it doesn't fit God's will for my life. God's will for my life at this stage in my life right now is the pastor of the Huicala Baptist Church. When we planted Huicala, I asked God if he would give me 25 years as the senior pastor of this church. I'm like almost nine years in, so I got a little bit of tread left on the tires, okay? But again, I'll be 62 by then. And I'm praying for what God's will is when it's time for me to pass the baton to the next guy behind me. What's God's will for that leg of the journey? Here's the thing. I don't know yet. I got a lot of plans and ideas. Maybe I could do this. Maybe I could do that. But how many of you know a lot of things can happen in, you know, that stretch of time? So I'm not really sure. Hmm. Well, how will I know what God's will is then? Get this. I'm just going to do God's will today. And tomorrow I'm going to wake up and do God's will on Monday. And Tuesday I'm going to wake up and do God's will on Tuesday. And then guess what? I'm going to wake up like 16 years from now still doing the will of God. And by that point, because I've trusted in the Lord with all my heart, I haven't leaned to my own understanding, I've acknowledged him in all my ways, guess what? The path forward will be crystal, crystal clear. I'll know precisely what I'm supposed to do when the time comes. God's not going to leave me scratching my head going like, oh man, I'm handing over to the church next Sunday and I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do with my life. No, 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 no. He'll have a plan by then. And get this, here's the great part about it. Did you hear that I said, I asked God to give me 25 years here at Huicala? You know what God said when I asked him that? Anybody want to guess? He didn't say anything. So guess what? I say, if it's the Lord's will for me to pastor until I'm 62 here, I'm 100% in. 100%. But guess what? It might not be God's will. I might fall over dead next weekend. 
God might call me somewhere else. I have no desire to go anywhere, so let me just say that. But I don't know what tomorrow holds. That's, what, that's the whole point of what James is saying. You can't say what tomorrow holds. Your life is but a vapor. It appears for a short time, then vanishes away. You can't make boasting and bragging about the future. I don't even know that I'll live to be 62. I don't know that I'll live to be 52. But if God wills, I desire to be here serving Jesus with all of you guys until I run out of a tread on the tire. 100%, all in. But only if it's God's will. So I know that's where I'm supposed to be at today. And so I can't just pick up and move to wherever because that's not God's will for me right now. Some people are coming up on a, a change of venue maybe for you in the next year or two. Next year, we've got a ton of people that are, are in the military that are PCSing to other places on the mainland. Hey, our church is probably going to be in some phase of transition over the next 12 months. That's okay. That's fine. It's not my church. It's Jesus' church anyways. But I always challenge people with this. When people begin to look at like, oh, we're looking at retiring and things like that, I would ask you to do this. And when I ask people this, they always laugh when I say this. Would you pray about staying in Hawaii like at the top of your list so that God could use you at Huikala? Would you pray about that? People are like, ha, 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 that's funny. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. Well, we were thinking about moving to X state because they won't, they won't tax my retirement check there and cost of living is lower, property tax is really low, and you can buy a house for X amount of dollars with X amount of acres. Hey, all that's good. I'm asking you, what is the will of God? Is the will of God that you would have a really big house on a really big plot of land with a really big swimming pool and a hot tub and a sauna and a six-car garage? If that's God's will, I'm for you, and, and, and man, I'll pray for you every step along the way. But I think for some of us, God's calling us to self-sacrifice and serve. I think that might be more likely. So I always ask people, would you just put that at the top of your list? Put that in the hopper of things that you pray about. God, would you allow me to stay here in Hawaii? And he said, well, we can never afford to do that. I'll give you the name of about 10 people you could talk to who said the exact same thing, but God's done it in their life. I remember Larry Gregory and I having dinner together. He was 27 years in Army infantry. He's like, Pastor, I don't even know what I want to do with my life. And he, we had the exact same talk. Oh, such and so state, such and so economic conditions, such and so size house, so many square feet. And I asked him, I said, Larry, is... Is your retirement really just about money? He goes, Pastor. No, I just asked a question, man. That's all. I asked a question. I said, What do you think would be best for your family? He goes, Well, it depends on what you mean by that. Exactly, doesn't it? What's best for your family as far as comfort, size of a house, ability to drive places that you want to go? Ability to be maybe closer to family? What, is that what's best? Or a place where your family's growing spiritually? A place where your family can serve? A place where your family can impact the kingdom for eternity's sake? And he goes, there's only one place for that in spiritual terms. It's here. Okay. He goes, okay, fine. No, no, not okay, fine. Like I'm saying, put that in your prayer list. Is this the will of God? Would God provide for you financially for you to be able to stay here with your family and serve Jesus here at Huikala? And he was like, okay, fine. I'm not making your mind up for you. I can't do that. I'm not God. And I praise God that the Gregory said, 
we're willing to trust God. And I, I believe they could tell you a hundred stories of what God's done by faith in their family and how God's provided every step along the way. And I'm telling you this, Hui Kala wouldn't be the church that you and I know it today if it weren't for Larry and Buffy Gregory, guaranteed. They're, they're sinners just like anybody else in this church. But they're sinners who said, hey, maybe God could use us. Maybe we can set ourselves to this side and do something that would impact eternity and maybe God would use us. And let me just tell you, he has. I'm just saying, what God's will looks like for you is way different than God's will for me. You have different skill sets. You got different things that you do. Not everybody can pastor. Not everybody wants to pastor. I don't even want to pastor. But it's what God's called me to do. It's God's will. And so that varies from person to person. But when we think about God's will, we got to think of God's will as more of a journey rather than a destination. You got to be in God's will today. It's not a matter of like, oh, that's God's will. I got to figure out how to get there. No, no, no. Just focus on today. If you feel God leading you in an area, begin to prepare. But if God doesn't lead you in that area, it's okay. I believe that there's a lot of people in our church that should sign up for the Faith Bible Institute on Monday nights, college classes on how to know more about your faith. What for? I don't know. Maybe God will lead you to, to lead a small group. Maybe God would use you to lead a Bible study. Maybe God would lead you to teach a kid's class. Maybe God would use that to enhance, enhance your ability to disciple. Maybe God would use that to help you to teach your children the Bible better. I don't know. I can't imagine that the study of God's word would hurt anybody. So maybe that's something you should do. Well, what's God going to do with that? I don't know, because God's will isn't a destination, it's a journey. And again, that's why I can't say what happens when I retire from pastoring one day. I don't even know that I'll get to retirement. I might die. I don't have the ability to say that. I can just say, if God wills, I'm open and willing to do whatever he wants me to do. But I just got to be where I'm supposed to be today. Tomorrow, we focus on tomorrow, tomorrow. One of the, the important principles of any 12-step or recovery or addiction program is to live for today. If you're an alcoholic, you just need to stay sober till midnight. Tomorrow's a whole, got a whole new set of challenges. Work on tomorrow, tomorrow. Just focus on today, today. Staying sober today. And people are like, oh, that's such a great principle from these 12-step programs. It's not a 12-step principle. It's a Bible principle. You know not what will happen on the morrow. The morrow will care for itself. Focus on today. When Jesus told us to pray, he didn't tell us to pray for our weekly, monthly, yearly bread. He told us to pray for our daily bread. When the children of Israel went out to gather, how often did they gather? Every single day, with the exception of the Sabbath. They gathered twice as much on the day before the Sabbath. And some of them thought, oh, I, I'm going to get tired of going out every day, so I'm just going to get twice as much so that I don't have to worry about it tomorrow. And some of you are thinking, I'm going to get a couple of steps ahead of God's will so I don't have to focus on walking in God's will tomorrow. And what happened when they gathered too much, they went to eat it the next day, and what happened? Rotten, full of worms and maggots. And it's just like, ah, that didn't work out so well. Some of you are trying to get ahead of God's will, and you're trying to think like, oh, this is where I'm going to be in five years and 10 years and 20 years. And it's fine if you want to begin thinking that direction, but you need to understand that everything that you write has to be written in pencil 
and fully submitted to God that he can change at any moment that he chooses to. But you and I many times won't write our, our future plans in stone. And I'm going to get this regardless of what happens. I don't care what I have to do to get this. No, no, no. You need to dial it back and say, if the Lord wills, I would like to do this. But if the Lord wills something different, I'd be delighted to do that. I just want to be in God's will. When discerning God's specific will, again, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Am I supposed to take this job, that job? Should I study this? Should I study that? Should I go here, go there? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you can't get around it. And part of that, the second step, lean not into your own understanding, means you got to seek godly biblical counsel. Let me tell you this. I'm going to say this unequivocally. It might sound harsh, but sometimes pastors have to say hard things. If you make a life-changing decision based on your own wisdom, you are a fool. I'll repeat that. If you make a life-changing decision based on your own wisdom, you are a fool. You say, that's really mean, Pastor. I didn't say it. The Bible says a fool does that which is right in his own eyes. That's why when it comes to life-changing decisions, I can't trust myself. And so if you're making big decisions in your life, you need to get godly wisdom. People in your life that love Jesus have been walking with Jesus for decades. Not like, oh, my coworker, he's been divorced 12 times and he went to church one time at Easter. I think I'm going to get his ideas on what he thinks. Whatever. No, no, no. I'm talking about godly Christians. Lean on into your own understanding. This is a question. I'm going to leave you guys with this tonight. This question changed my life forever. This question is the reason that who we call it exists today. Because I asked myself the question, how can I maximize God's glory in my life? How can I make God bigger? How can I do more for the kingdom? What does that look like for me? What does it look like for my wife? What does it look like for my children? How can we make it next level? Look, when Angela and I first got married, we maximized God's glory by making his house a priority. We made a decision. If the church doors are open, our family will be there. And that was the way that we maximized God's glory in our life. And we made a decision within two weeks of that. If we get paid, God gets his part first thing. Because we want to glorify God in our finances. And by the grace of God, for over two decades, we have tithed on every single dollar that's ever passed through our bank account. Because we want to put God first in everything. And we felt like that would give God glory in our lives. Then it came to you a matter of sharing your faith with other people. I didn't know how to do that, but I was willing. And I said, hey, if God would use me in that way, I want to grow in that way. So I went out on a Thursday night with a guy from the church and asked a ton of questions. I asked the assistant pastor of the church to help me to learn how to share my faith with other people. And so I wanted to grow. And so we began to pick the brain of our Sister pastor and his wife and take them out to dinner and talk about the Bible and ask questions. And we got on a road of discipleship. We didn't know what it was. Then we just thought we just need to fill in some gaps because we don't know everything. They discipled us and poured into us. And man, God was glorified in our marriage through that and glorified in our family through discipleship and growing in our faith. And we were so excited. We began to say, hey, how can we do more? And I went to our pastor. I said, pastor, I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing in my life. I just want to serve. Can you give me some place of ministry to serve? Because I just love Jesus. And he says, oh, I've got just a thing for you. Be here on Saturday at noon. 
I've got a ministry for you I think you'll be great at. Oh, I couldn't wait, man. All week long, I mean, I'm just on fire for Jesus. I'm praying that God will be glorified in my life. I'm thinking he's going to have me teach the teens. And like Saturday, he's going to have me put together my lesson. He's going to go over it with me, and I'm going to practice it. And Sunday, I'm going to go in, and I'm going to preach to the teens. There's going to be a revival breakout in our youth ministry. It's going to be incredible. <laughs> and I show up on Saturday, and he says, go get the mop bucket out of the closet. Oh, this is like an illustration for the teens, right? Like the, the mop bucket is dirty, and then, but you put clean water in, and you're able to clean other things with it. Yeah, I see where you're going with it. Okay, get the mop bucket. Yeah, pour pine saw in there, fill it up with water. Take all the chairs in the auditorium, move them over to one side, mop the whole auditorium. When you're done, move it, all the chairs over to the other side, mop the whole auditorium. I'm thinking to myself, this has got Karate Kid written all over it, right? <laughs> right? If you don't know, you just don't know. I'm thinking like, this is like a Mr. Miyagi thing. Like I'm waxing on and I'm waxing off because I'm getting ready for battle, right? No, no, no. I was just mopping the church. Okay, you're done with that. Go stock all the toilet paper. And take out all the garbage. Oh, okay. And when you're done, this part of the lobby, every single person that comes in this church tomorrow will be in this lobby. You need to make sure that it looks spick and span sparkling. And I don't know, something clicked in my mind at that moment. It was just like, wait, wait, wait. What I'm doing here today affects how people worship tomorrow. Whoa. This like really is like legitimate kingdom work here. And I was just like, hey, if nobody's got next Saturday, our family's got it, man. We started going up there every week, cleaning the church. Hey, there's tons of weeds outside on the fence line. What do we do about that? Do we have a weed here? He's like, no, we don't have one. Okay, I went and bought a weed ear with my own money, and I started cutting the grass at the church. Why? I just wanted to do more to glorify God. Hey, God's church shouldn't have weeds all around it looking all like riffraff. Like, come on. This is the Lord's house. Let's make it look good. Let's glorify God with this place. And I'm telling you, it just began to grow to the point where we were at the church six days a week and didn't get paid a dime for anything because we just loved Jesus. And I remember Angela and I praying and saying, God, could you move us somewhere else where we could do even more? I don't even know what that looks like. And we talked it over to the pastor, and he says, I think you should probably go to Bible college. Okay. So sight unseen, moved to Lancaster, California, and said, God, we just want to be glorified. We want you to be glorified in our life. We served 10 years on staff there, and about year seven, we've said, hey, God, what's next? We bought a 3,000-square-foot house at the end of a cul-de-sac with a three-car garage and a basketball goal in the backyard. Like, that's way too comfortable for people who just want to live by faith. God, is there some place anywhere, I don't care where it is, where you can maximize your glory in our lives? Like, I don't want it to be easy. I don't want to go to the place where people are being saved left and right. I don't want to go to the place where there's 12 churches already on this street and they just need another. I want to go somewhere where it's hard. I want to go where people say it can't be done. Why? Because I want people to look back and say, there's no way that Anthony King could have done that. It must be God. That's what I want because I want you to get glory in my life. And God says, you got it. And God led us to plant who we call about a church. And here we are. And I can't think of a single place in the world that I should be in God's will that I could maximize God's glory greater than I, I can right now. Look, we've got a million people on our island. I'll never run out of people that need to know about Jesus here. So I'm asking God to just continue to get glory for himself. Not everybody's going to be a church planner here. Not everybody's qualified to be a pastor. So I just ask you this. 
How can you maximize God's glory in your life? What does that look like? What's the next level for you? How do you take it up a step? Maybe you've got a little bit comfortable. Maybe you're not living by faith because you got all the, the, everything figured out on your own. Maybe it's time for you to take a step up. Maybe it's time for you to get uncomfortable. Maybe it's time for you to say like, hey, I don't really know how this is going to work out, but I trust God. If it's the Lord's will, man, I'm in it. Man, I, I hope that there are people in this church that if God called you to be a missionary, like it was God's will, that you would go. I believe that most of us that love Jesus here would say, hey, you know, if, if God like wrote it in the sky, China, India, Hong Kong, if I saw it like that, and I was so sure I would go. Okay, I appreciate that. I really do. But what if you just heard that there's billions of people that will never hear the gospel before they face God in judgment and wrath? And they just need somebody, anybody that just knows the gospel to go and tell them. I have a hard time believing that it's not God's will. That somebody at Hui College doesn't think, I want God to use my life to a greater degree. I can't help but think that there's not somebody here in this church that says, God's doing a mighty work in this church, and I want to be in on it to a greater degree. I'm going to do whatever I can to stake my life here for whatever days I have here in God's will to do more for the kingdom here. But I can't help but think God's telling some people that they need to go where the gospel's not being preached. I believe that God's going to call someone from our church in the next several years to plant churches here on our island. I believe that. But I can't call anybody. It has to be God's will. It's not Anthony's will. It's not who he calls his will. It's God's will. How do you maximize God's glory in your life? Are you living in God's will? Again, it starts with the basics. For Angela, I just was faithful church attendance and tithing. We just need to do the basics to do God's will. Some of you haven't even hit like the bottom rung of obedience. And yet we want to know like, oh, I wonder what God wants me to do in five, ten years. No, no, no. Focus on today. What you're supposed to do today. Maybe you're here today and you don't even know for sure that you're saved. You can't even begin to explore God's will because you haven't figured out first that God wants you to be saved. So if you're here today and you don't know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior and heaven is your home, man, let's get that squared away like today. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.